What a great job. Uh, can we give it up for those watching online? God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today or this week, depending on when you watch. We have a large online following. We have people in uh, Nevada that watch us, Las Vegas, uh, Washington, Montana, California, New York, Florida, Texas, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, uh, Oregon, just a lot of people that, that tune in. Can we one more time give it up for those watching, tuning in today. God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, so uh, May 14th, uh, through June 18th. We'll have a list of dates for you next week. I'll give the, a couple. So we have Mother's Day. We're going to start uh, the last part of our sermon series before after will be next week, which will also lead us into our family series. We're going to do a series on family. We'll start with Mother's Day. We'll end with Father's Day. We're going to do uh, a day where we honor the graduates on Memorial Day weekend. And so if you're a high school or college or post-college graduate, we'll have a sign-up sheet next week. We want to honor you at each campus. Uh, don't come to both campuses. We're just going to get honored once. But we want to honor you at e each campus. On June the 4th, we're going to do a Grandparents' Day, and we're going to do water baptism. And so if you want to be baptized through water, we'll do it here, and we're going to have sign-up sheets for that. Uh, we've just got a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be amazing uh, this next series. Just try to incorporate family. We'll do communion at least once during that time as well. And so uh, just it's going to be a fun block party. I went, was able to attend the last block party. I like to cook the hot dogs whenever we're out. Uh, and I think we did 125 uh, uh, people that we served hot dogs to. Maybe it was some people had more than one, but we just eat them up. It was, it was just a it's just a blast. So if you're able to on that Tuesday afternoon, come out and join us. It's a great time. It's what we're called to do. We're called to serve other people. Amen. That's that's part of being the church. So come on out if you can. Prayer meeting this Wednesday or prayer yeah prayer just a prayer group come come Wednesday night. So a lot of stuff. Uh, the before and after. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Last Supper and then the First Supper after the resurrection. Last week, we talked about just the gardener, the whole garden aspect. And this week, we're going to talk about more of an individual aspect of Peter, okay? Peter being kind of some conversation you had with Jesus before uh, the cross and then some conversation you had with Jesus after the cross. And maybe a couple little new twists that maybe you haven't thought about uh, during that process as well. I think Peter... Peter, kind of a maverick, all right? A, a maverick uh, and a mustang. A mustang is a wild horse. A maverick's kind of a wild cow, but sometimes that maverick can be a wild horse as well. It's also some personality traits, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and if you have some of these traits, maybe you have them all, but if you have some of these traits, then maybe you have a little bit of a maverick in you. And a maverick's a good thing, all right? Uh, but mavericks, you can't always control. Sometimes you got to let them just kind of run. You got to let them do their thing a little bit. So mavericks are risk takers, okay? Mavericks are non-conformists. Mavericks are uh, usually extroverts. Uh, mavericks are creative. Mavericks are confident to the point of maybe even arrogant. And mavericks can be a little bit self-centered or at least uh, come across as being self-centered. They're the ones that kind of, that they know it. They know what's going on. They know what they're going to do. In Peter's case, who I would liken them to a maverick because we're going to talk about Peter today, he was a risk taker. He was the guy that got out of the boat and walked on water, if you remember that. So none of the other disciples did. They all stayed in the boat. He was the one that took the risk. Can we, can we do that? Can we walk on water? He was the nonconformist. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Well, you're uh, Elijah or maybe Isaiah or one of the other prophets, the disciples said. And Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? And it was Peter that spoke up boldly and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter, flesh and bones have not revealed that to you, but the God Almighty has revealed that to you. So he was a nonconformist. He didn't say what other people said. Sometimes he said too much. Sometimes he talked out of what he was supposed to talk out of, but he, he was. He was an extrovert. He, was, he told Jesus, you're not going to die. I won't let you die. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're, you're an offense to my ministry. He was creative. In that same boat on that stormy night, he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. There was a creativity there. And so, again, mavericks are creative. 
He was confident. He cut off uh, Melchus's ear. Remember that story in the scriptures where they go and Melchus comes with uh, the tribe, the, the Roman centurions, and, and, uh, and Peter pulls out the sword, cuts off his ear. Jesus picks it up off the ground, puts it back on, uh, on Melchus's head. Just an amazing, true miracle that took place. And then he was, again, a little self-centered. I will never let you die. I will go to death with you. And so we're going to look today at the life of Peter just in a short time, probably over maybe 40 days, maybe 21 days, somewhere in there, just the change from this maverick. And again, being a maverick is not a bad thing. That's a good thing to then maybe being this uh, mature, from maverick to maturity uh, in Christ. So let's pray to start with, then we'll go over some scripture. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have mavericks in this house. We proclaim it. We, de we declare it. Risk takers and nonconformists, creative people, confident in their call in you. Bless them, Lord. Bless our word today, your word as we speak it out. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. And that would include people watching online. Mavericks, are, they're not, a, they're not a, a bad thing, but they're a good thing. Peter was a maverick, and yet Jesus took some time with him. We see where Jesus has personal uh, revelation with Peter. And the first thing he tells him is, is a warning. He gives, he gives Peter a warning. And, and you know, the scripture will give us warnings. It tells us to do things. It tells us to stay away from things. It tells us not to do things. It tells us how to behave. It tells us how to interact with people, how to pray for people, how to forgive people. There's warnings in the scripture. The Holy Spirit will give us warnings. You may have a, uh, an unction in your spirit, we would call it, or maybe you have just a knot in your belly of something that maybe you should do. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of a weird thing sometimes. Like maybe you're supposed to go give somebody a a glass of water or take some groceries or pay somebody's bill or maybe you shouldn't do something. You're not supposed to go there. You shouldn't do those things. You shouldn't go down that road. You, you shouldn't do those things. And so there's a warning from God, from the Holy Spirit, from his word. And, and Peter or Jesus gives Peter a warning in Luke's uh, gospel, the 22nd chapter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold. And I, 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 I question this for a second because all of a sudden he resorts back. He doesn't say Peter. Peter, Peter, and, and earlier in Scripture, Jesus changed, changes uh, Simon's name to Peter. But now he's resorting back, and it's kind of a, a morphing, if you will, of our, our walk in Christ whenever maybe we're going down the wrong road. And so he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. In other words, sometimes we go through the sifting process. You, I don't know if you ever you have a sifter in your house where maybe you sift flour. Do you have a sifter, honey, where the old flour days where you, you kind of shake it, you move that thing and the... You don't. You buy the refined flour. You already buy the the pre-made stuff, the the good stuff. And so you would you would sift that flour. And sometimes we feel like we're getting sifted by the enemy, right? It's a gut punch. It's a blow to the jaw, spiritual jaw. It's like you're getting moved around. It's like, Lord, what is going on? That He might sift you like wheat. Thirty-two then says, "But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen." Than your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I, I like that. I like his boldness, but right now he's not in the sifting process. Sometimes it's easy to tell people to have faith if your bank account is full, if your doctor's report is good, if you've got a healthy job, a healthy family, a healthy baby, all is well. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. You've got to have more faith. But when you're walking through that, when your test results come back on Tuesday, when you're asking the Lord for a miracle, when you don't know if you're going to make this month's rent payment or not, it's a little different. The last thing you need is for someone to say, come on, you need more faith. You need someone to come up and just give you a big hug. You need someone just to give you a, a, just a, a pat on the back and say, Jerry, you can do it. It's going to be all right. It's going to work out. You need someone that's going to be standing with you, not imposing their will on you. And that's what mavericks will do sometimes. Get some faith. <laughs> Grow up. Stop crying. No. We need to love with people. 
We need to cry with people. We need to laugh. We need to, we need to feel their pain. But he says, I, uh, he, I'm going to pray for you. And then he says, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. So there's a warning here, right? And Jesus knows this warning. I will look at a couple things in the scriptures that, that Jesus says that I just wonder about a little bit. He, first of all, he tells them, uh, hey, Peter, Simon, Satan wants you. Can I tell you, Grace Church, Satan wants you? Can I tell you that he wants to get back at God, but he wants to get back at God through you? He already knows his end. All right, he knows like he's read the book. He's pretty sure and pretty aware where he's going, but he wants you to go there with him. He doesn't want you to sacrifice to, to make the King of Kings also the Lord of Lords. He, does, he wants to sift you like wheat. And then this, this remark of Jesus, and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, all right, I, I love it. Jesus says, but I've prayed for you. But maybe you've been like me in the past. Maybe you've been like, Jesus, I appreciate you praying for me, but like I want you to deliver me right now. I want you to heal me right now. I want you to bless me right now. Like I, I need these things. I need them right now. But that's, a, that's our 21st century prayer life. Is a, as we go through the drive-thru, we want the food right now. We're not going to wait. We're not going to pull over. I want, the move. I want the food now. I have a no pull-over policy at McDonald's. No. Can you pull over? No. But, sir, you're holding up the line. I don't care. You're holding up my food. You didn't ask to wait to take my money. You took my money. I want my food. Learned that from my father. It works. Sometimes they ask you not to come back to that McDonald's. And that's okay, too. We, we want it now. But I've, Jesus said, but I've prayed for you. Now, listen, Paul says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you right now. As good of a prayer team as we have, as many prayer warriors that we have in this building, in this church, in, in the grace campuses, there is not a better prayer warrior for you than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is the best prayer warrior you could ever have. He loves you. He knows your heart. He knows your feelings. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows your angst. He might even know your anger, and he's praying for you. And then I love this part of what Jesus says, and Peter, when you return. Somebody write that down on your heart, when you return. In other words, Peter, you're going to fall. Peter, you're going to have trouble. People, Peter, you're going to have trials. Peter, it's not going to look so good for you, but when you return. See, sometimes the enemy will beat us up. And we'll say things like, well, you, you shouldn't be in church today. Why are you even worshiping? I know what week you had. I know those parts where you stumbled, where you fell. You know what? Satan might know that. He might remind you. But Jesus already knows it, and he's already forgiven you. He loves you. He's already gone before you. He told Peter, I know what's going to happen, Peter, but when you return, do this. Strengthen your brothers. Just strengthen you. What's that testimony? It's a testimony time. Peter, I'm sure, was ashamed. Peter, I'm sure, was just befuddled. I'm, I'm sure he was just, man, he was mad at himself at, this, at this, this mess up that he did. He denied Christ, the, the, the person that he had followed for the last three and a half years. I mean, he severed a relationship, but only this relationship wasn't severed. Jesus mended it back together. And so, first of all, Jesus throws out a warning. If Jesus is giving you a warning today, adhere to it. Understand that this warning could be something that is to protect you or to take care of you. It's because he loves you. And the next word is a warming. So we move from warning to warming, a very similar trade. But we'll read the, out of Luke 22 later on in the same chapter. The Bible says, then they seized him and led him away. This is the, 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 the Roman centurions, the soldiers coming to get uh, Jesus, okay? And they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he sat down together with them. And Peter sat down among them. And then the servant girl, seeing him as he sat at the light, looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. 
There, Peter was caught warming by the wrong fire. Let me give you an idea of once this warning takes place, once the Lord kind of moves into your realm and he gives you a warning by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of his word, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's something in, in, your, in, your, in your person, he, he gives you that warning. I'm going to give you an idea of sometimes how things start to take place then in this warming period. First of all, Peter followed at a distance. All of a sudden, you can see, and we've been doing this long enough, you've been in church yourself, you can feel when someone starts to grow a little cold in the Lord. They're not they're not uh, taking the same seed anymore. Maybe they're a little more hit and miss. Now, I understand the culture today. Some people are hit and miss. That's just their lifestyle or maybe their work, their occupation. Or I'm talking about the person who couldn't get enough of church. They were making prayer meetings. They were making Bible studies. They were in small groups. They were coming to church. They were doing everything. And all of a sudden, they started to move back just a little bit, literally or figuratively. They kind of worked their way out. They start to follow Jesus at a distance. They're not as red hot as they were. This is why it's better to, to operate on passion and not emotion. Emotion can be a, a, just a great church service. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some great things for the Lord. But Monday morning comes, and it's kind of like uh, the the diet industry or the workout industry works on your emotion. All right, yeah, I lost 82 pounds in three and a half weeks, and you take this pill. That's all you got to do. Eat however you want. Just take this pill. It's a hundred dollars a pill, and you'll lose those weights. And Three and a half weeks later, you still you're down 81 pounds, but out about you know several thousand dollars. It's just the way we work on our emotion, but God wants us to work on passion. And our passion is that we're not going to, we, even if we feel like we're falling from a distance, we're going to continue to work forward. Peter started to follow at a distance. That's sign number one. Two, he was warming at the wrong fire, all right? We need to be careful who our company is. We need to pay, be careful. You could come up with any, probably anything in the world. What's like the most strange thing in the world, you know, that, that you might, and you can find somebody on Facebook that believes that same way. Right? I mean, you can find a group of people. I preached uh, a, a series a year and a half ago, and a couple of messages were a little bit on point and, and just the way we stand, the way Grace Church stands, and all of a sudden Facebook just blew up. All right? And pastor's the Antichrist. He, he doesn't love people and blah, blah, blah. And people were calling me out of the clear blue sky. Pastor, we love you. We're, we're with you. We're for you. I said, well, praise God. And then they said, you don't read Facebook, do you? I said, I do not. And they said, you shouldn't read it this week at all. And I said, I won't, I promise you. And, uh, and dear loved one, friend, you know, friends, people that, that were doing ministry with us, they were, you know, like, he's that. And then all of a sudden, people who didn't know me, who had never attended Grace Church at all, yeah, he's a rotten scoundrel. And like, you don't even know me. I mean, maybe I am, but you don't know me enough to really say, Jamie. I mean, if they knew me, it'd be one thing, right? But... Um, Jamie gives me thumbs up. This is why he sits on the front row now. You can find what you want in social media, Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever. You got to be careful that you're not warming yourself by the wrong fire. This is why you need good, solid doctrine. This is why you need. Um, this is why you need to make sure that what you hear isn't necessarily, the Bible says, talks about winds of doctrine, just blowing to and fro. Oh, pastor, did you hear this? Yes, I've heard probably most of it, but not most of it's true. <laughs> you know, just because you heard it, 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 Jake appears a pilot, Jake, thank you for flying Delta, right? Del, thank you for flying Delta. But generally speaking, you're going to fly on a plane that was built by the lowest bidder with a pilot that you don't know. I mean, that's true, right? Now, pilots are good. We like them. All right, planes are good. We like them. But we have, what we do, though, is we're putting our, our faith in things that we hear on the Internet, and all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We don't know Jesus is coming back. Yeah, but so-and-so in, you know, Timbuktu said he is. Well, okay, but do you know that guy? No, I don't know him, but, man, I'm going to believe him. Everything he says, Why? Why do you warm by the wrong fire? Keep your doctrine pure. Keep, your, keep, your, keep yourself 
pure with the Lord. Am I making sense to you? Stop warming. Stop just floating around with what everybody says in 1988, September of 88. A, a guy wrote a book, and it's 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. I was at a conference sitting right next to a guy, and there was a guy on the platform saying, yeah, this guy wrote a book, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back. And the pastor sitting next to me said, that guy came out of my church. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah, what a... And then he said something else that I can't repeat. And uh, <laughs> said, were you glad he left? Oh, dear Jesus, was I glad he left. Listen, church, you can start saying things and people will jump. Or you, someone will say something, you just jump on that. Don't warm by the wrong fire. And in today's day and age with all of social media, it's a whole lot easier than to jump on that wrong fire than it was. And then the, then the third thing Peter does, he sits down among them. And if you sit down amongst them, you have to be careful who you're breaking bread with. Janie and I have gone through uh, deals in our life, deals in our ministry where you know, literally you wonder on, on Monday morning, like, is it worth the fight? Is it worth what, what's going to happen? And, and we would go. And this, again, this is, why, so this is why you need a good grief share. This is why you need a, a small group, a Bible study, somewhere you can uh, learn from with and with people that are going through some of the same things that you're going through. We were uh, we lost my father in uh, 2015. Uh, we went home. We flew home. Missed his passing by four minutes. Uh, and then while we were there, we, we were expecting to have the funeral. Different family complications and travel. The funeral was going to be a week, so we came back and did service here. Then we drove back, and it was February in the Midwest, and there was a blizzard. We drove through in Illinois to get back and did the funeral and came back home and and did service. And then the very next work day. Day, a longtime member of our of our team uh, resigned like the day I got back didn't have time to grieve uh, now we're working on, on uh, substituting uh, for this person who was leaving the, the not only our team but leaving the church and and then six weeks later a great great friend of our church a, a large donor good family uh, member friend he dies of cancer he was two years older than me we have to do that funeral and it's just like we we were waking up daily wondering, like, what was going to happen next. It was like spiritual gut punch after spiritual gut punch. And then another guy, long member of the church, he quit because I didn't go to a funeral that I didn't know about. And it was just one thing after another. And our 15 of our, uh, 15 of our key core members of our church ended up moving out of the area. Our general fund cut in half. I mean, it was just, it was just blow after blow after blow after blow. And uh, Jenny and I went to a small group that some friends of ours were having, and we sat down, we broke bread, and just little by little, I don't think we were complaining, we were just sharing, and they prayed for us, and they loved on us, and they hugged us, hey, it's going to be all right. You need to be careful who you break bread with. You need to get in that realm where you're not sitting down in the wrong company. You're good, if you're miserable, you can find a lot of people who will be miserable with you. Right? That's a pretty easy thing. But if you're looking to build your faith, you might have to search some people out. I need to be strong with you. I need, to, I, need, I need you to pray with me or pray for me. I need to make sure that Peter doesn't do that. He, he, first he follows from a distance, then he warms at the wrong fire, and then he sits down with them. This is not, again, I'm not talking about Jesus sitting down with sinners. I'm talking about Peter in a weak state sitting down with people because he was fearful that he was going to be found out. There's a big difference there. We're told to go and preach the good news. We're told to knock on doors and be a witness to people who don't know Christ. That's, that's fine and dandy. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm talking about if you're in a spiritual state where you've missed the warning, where God says, hey, this might come upon you or you need to be careful. Don't do that or this is going to happen. And you did it anyway. Now you're walking through something that is just miserable you need to be careful that you don't break bread with the wrong group of people. Because if you do, then the next thing he starts to deny. He denies that he knows Jesus. 
And a 12-year-old girl comes up. I think you're one of them. No, I'm not. Who are you? Another person comes up. I think you're one of them. No, you don't know what you're talking about, man. And then the third thing, I am not that person. And all of a sudden, in fact, King James uses this, says he even changed his manner of speaking. You can interpret that many different ways, but he, did, he wasn't speaking like he would have if, he was, if Jesus was in the room. So he, he, he performed a different work language. And sometimes maybe you're different at church than you are on the job. Jesus is asking you today, please be the same, 24-7, 365. Please allow the Lord to change what needs to be changed in you and work in you. And all of a sudden, the third time, then the, the rooster crowed, and Peter looks up, and the first eyes he sees is that of Jesus, his Lord. And I can imagine that if it were maybe me or somebody else here, Jesus' look would have been, hey, I told you so. I knew you were going to do it. I told you were going to fall. But I think Jesus' look was a look of love. I think Jesus was a look of restoration right there. I think Jesus knew because he said, when you return, Peter, strengthen your brothers. Share with them. Help them. Bless them. Use them. And so Jesus is here today if you have that emptiness in your in your heart if you have an emptiness in your spirit because you feel like you've failed jesus he's he still loves you he still has that look in your eyes that says son or daughter come home which leads us to the the next thing is the waving jesus is waving and I, i'll go into the detail here in just a moment but in the in john's gospel the 20th or 20th chapter, 20th or 21st chapter. I think Peter is a maverick and he's ready to go. He's, he's like, he's anxious. He's, he's getting going. And uh, so he apparently hasn't seen the risen Savior for a few days, maybe even a week or two. He saw him the resurrection night. We know that. And then there's no recorded time specifically where he sees him uh, again for a while. And so Peter says, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. He's going to do what he knew to do. And if you're a maverick, if you're a go-getter, I'll tell you, here's a, a good way of, of, of recognizing who might be a maverick versus who's not. When you see a yellow light, do you press the gas pedal or the brake? Who presses the gas pedal at a yellow? Mavericks. Mavericks. Who presses the brake at a yellow light? Conformists. Thank you for being, thank you for being politically correct. Thank you for being safe. The Mavericks are going to die sooner than you do. We're not professing that. Just statistically, <laughs> I, I have never met a yellow light, a yellow light that I haven't met a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I, met, I met one on my way here, but it did turn that other color before I got there. It didn't stop me. It just encouraged me a little bit more. <laughs> mavericks. Um, so we have a lot of mavericks in the house. Peter was a maverick. Jesus wasn't around. I stumbled, I fell, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go back to what I knew what to do. I'm going to go back to Egypt. Egypt is a place of, of not enough. Zion is a place called best. If you're a maverick, you don't want to resort back to what you were doing. You want to move forward. You want to, if you're in Christ, Christ has called you to grow daily in him, to die out daily, pick up your cross, follow him. I mean, move forward. You want to move forward. Janie and I went into full-time ministry 21, two, three years ago, something like that. I had a uh, high-level uh, sales job. I was number nine in the country out of 3,000 reps. God had blessed us. And not because I'm a good salesperson, actually not very good at all. God just blessed the socks off me. I mean, he just, with every time I turned around, a new account after new account after new account, uh, things were very good. And then when we went into full-time ministry, I resigned from that position. We were getting ready to take a 67% cut in pay. And uh, when I went in to resign, uh, I told my, the owners of my company, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. We've been preparing, so on and so forth. And, and they said, no, uh, we, need you. we need you here. And I, I great, but I'm going to be a pastor. Okay, well, basically, let us rent your name from you then. Can, can we do that? And I said, let me pray about it. That sounds good. 
what do I have to do? Well, every Friday you need to go to your mailbox and pick up a check from us if, you, if, we, can, if we can just use your name for these accounts that we have. I said, great. So we did that for a year and a half or two years, and, and then they were, they were like, hey, I think we're good with the accounts. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let this go for a while. Okay, no problem. Well, another company found out that they, we had severed ties, and they called me up and said, hey, that sounded pretty good. How about we rent your name for, for our company as well, and you can just call some of these accounts? And I said, let me pray about it. Yeah, that sounds good. And so they were, they upped the ante. And so I like telling my wife, Janie, I said, these guys don't want to pay me anymore, but these guys are going to. And by the way, they're going to give us more money on a, they're just going to pay by the month, not by the week. Well, that's okay. So did that for a year. The other company called me back. Now we're doing full-time ministry and this is how God works sometimes. Okay. And so we're doing full-time ministry and the other company found out that these guys had called me up. So they called me back up. Hey, can we meet and have some coffee? Yeah, let's meet and have some coffee. Why are you going with those guys? Well, you said it wasn't working out as well. And this is fine. I can go with them. Well, we need you to come back. What are they giving you? Well, here's what they're giving me, which was up from what they were giving me. So we can give you more than that. We'll give you this plus a car allowance and gas and uh, life insurance and all that kind of stuff. I said, let me pray about it. Yeah, that's good. Some things you don't have to pray about. Just say yes. (laughs) We pray about it. Sure. Sounds good. Praise God. That was a quick prayer. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I worked for them, and they, every Friday, back to the mailbox, it wasn't one, and I'd pick up the check, and I'd just look up at heaven and say, thank you, Jesus. How great God was at taking care of us. It was just, it was amazing. And listen, there is no exaggeration. This is exactly how it went down. And so then I worked for them for another year and a half, two years or so. Another company called me up and said, hey, we heard it from an account that you're the guy that we need to talk to. They really like you, and, and they'll go with us if you come with us. And I said, yeah, I'm kind of loyal to these guys. Well, yeah, how loyal are you? Here's what we want to pay you. I said, let me pray about it. Yes, that sounds really good. I mean, loyalty is good, but food is better, right? And so we're going to give you this amount, this much money. We're going to give you 401K. We're going to give you life insurance. We'll pay all your gas and car allowance, blah, blah, blah. And it was just amazing. So I did that for a year. And uh, uh, one morning, we had a really cute little acreage, seven acres hobby farm uh, in Iowa, outside of where we where we pastored in a craftsman-style house that Janie was redoing. And we had a little pool in the back and horses. It was just fun. We would wake up in the morning. We'd have our coffee on the back deck. Our, our deck was 1,500 square feet, just a massive deck. And so we'd go out there and we'd have coffee. And Janie one morning said, is the Lord talking to you about anything? And, and he did. Actually, that same morning, the Lord woke me up and says, you need to get rid of Egypt. Because every Monday, if the crowds weren't very energetic or if maybe, you know, some people were on vacation or things, I would say, you know, honey, I just think I need to go back to sales. I just, I think I'm, I'm better at sales than I am pastoring. It's like everything, it's just, this is, it's just not working out. You know, the, the crowd's not behind me and I was working too much on, off of emotion and not enough off of what the Lord was dealing with me and, and how to pastor. And so I, I, uh, she, I said, I think... Uh, I think I need, to, I need to give up that paycheck. She said, exactly. That's what the Lord's been telling me, the same thing. Why does it take you so long all the time? <laughs> like the Lord told me three weeks ago, well, I'm slow, but I'm worth, wait, worth waiting on. And so I, that company was in Des Moines, Iowa, so I went up to Des Moines, Iowa, and I had my resignation letter in hand, and I gave it to, the guy's name was Rob, it was Terry's the owner, Rob was the number two guy, and so I gave it to Rob and said, hey, man, I, I appreciate all you've done for me. And he opens the letter. You're, you're resigning? I said, yeah. He said, who, where are you going? Who, who, you going back to the other company? I said, no, I'm just going to step away. He said, wait, no, you can't. We, we, you're not stepping away. Here's what I, right now, he said, I have the authority to double everything we're giving you right now. And I said, now listen, they were already matching my weekly income from the church. Now they were going to double. I was going to make more, twice as much from these guys as I was from the church, just for letting them use my name. I, who does that? And then, and then 401K, the life insurance, and, and I said, I called him by name, Rob, and I said, Rob, I've already prayed about it. 
and the Lord wants me to cut ties with my Egypt, and, and it's a real spiritual thing. I don't, I don't expect you to understand. I just know that if I do what God's calling me to do, that there'll be, there's going to be such a freedom in our ministry that, that God's going to take care of us. Now, this was 50% of our income that, that we were walking away from at that point in time. Just based on what, just, I think God just wanted to see if we'd be obedient or not. But in my particular case, it was saying, I'm not going to go fishing like Peter did. I'm not going to go back to Egypt like the Israelites wanted to. Lord, it's me and you and Janie and our kids, and this is what we are. This is what we're going to do, and this is where we're at. And it was about a year later uh, that we then knew the Lord was going to be moving us on, and we prayed for probably six months and then we resigned our church, and then we uh, had had a uh, couple opportunities come up. This was this was one of them, and this is where we this is where we fell. And that's a whole other story. I could tell you more about that too. I won't. But I want to say this: that when you are kind of in that place that you want to go back to doing what you were doing, just check and make sure it's God, because generally God is a forward mover. God God moves people forward. He doesn't usually take them back. He always moves them forward. So Peter was going fishing. He was running from what he needed to be running to. And that's often what happens when we're in this predicament. We're running, we're running from something when God wants us to run to something. Although if we're running from it, Jesus still shows up. And we'll see this now as we go to John's uh, gospel, 21 and 5. Jesus said to them, children. So they're in their boat. There's six of them in the boat. At least that's the count that we have. Six in the boat. And then uh, Jesus on the shoreline. Children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. They don't know who it is at this point in time. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And some translations say, cast your net over on the other side of the boat. And I would say that's a spiritual thing, by the way. If what you're doing right now is not working and you're in this place, then cast your net on the other side because you're going to find Jesus in that moment. What you're running from, you need to be running to. But if you're running from it, you'll circle around and eventually Jesus will be on that shore waving you down at the time. And I know some religious people will say, he wasn't on the shore waving. Well, that's my interpretation. He was getting their, he was getting their attention. And you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Some translations say 153. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's John talking about himself. You, by the way, you need to refer that sometimes. You need to let, you, you need to let yourself know that Jesus loves you more than anybody else. You need to let yourself know that you are God's favorite. You need to let yourself know that it's going to work out because God is in charge. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. It is the Lord, John says. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. Think about this story for a moment. We see, first of all, he's given a warning, then he's given a warming, and now all of a sudden he's given a wave, and he's talking, that's the Lord. And by the way, I feel like this is a part that we sometimes miss, where, G where Peter walked on water at one time. He's not walking on water now. He's just wanting to get there. Sometimes I think we look for miracles, but the miracles in the action of passion that gets us to Jesus the quickest. So service isn't good because we didn't have a miracle. No, service is great because Jesus showed up. It's always great to do fellowship with God's wonderful people that love him and want to worship together. He gets to the seashore, and the part I didn't read, and I've missed this for a number of years, the Bible says, and after breakfast. See, Jesus had fish on the fire. He was broiling or frying. He was cooking. He was cooking fish. He had a fire. He had a frying pan. He had fish. He had all that ready to go. They're coming. Peter's getting in the water. He's running to Jesus. That's, that's the Lord. So it's probably been a little while since he's seen him. Did he come? Did he go? Did he, did he leave us? What are we supposed to do? I'm fishing. I left all this behind. I now Oh, there's the Lord. That's him. I recognize him. I got to go see him. I got to get to him as quick as possible. And he's got fish. And they're frying. And then he says, after breakfast, 
they have this conversation. You've heard the conversation. It goes like this, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Would you feed my sheep? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Would you, would you feed my lambs? Peter, do you love me? And then Peter, because he's a maverick, gets a little mad. He pounds the sand a little bit and says, Lord, you know I love you. Would you feed my sheep? Now, my interpretation goes a little bit like this. Jesus speaking to Peter, Peter, do you, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do love you. Peter, do you love me the way I love you unconditionally? Yes, Lord, I love you without conditions. In other words, if Jesus doesn't heal you, if Jesus doesn't set you free, if, if Jesus doesn't give you the best job or the best contract, if Jesus doesn't do those things that maybe somebody on television said he will, do you still love him? If the healing doesn't come this week, if the miracle doesn't come, do you still love him? Or is our love for Jesus conditional? Hmm. Satan wishes to have you. He's going to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you return, would you strengthen the brothers? At this point in time, he's got Peter. And then one more time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And will you love others the way I love you and the way I love others? Because the bottom line during this whole sermon as the worship team comes back is most of our love is conditional. Most, most of our love is based on what someone does for us or what we do with someone or for someone. And Peter changes in my mind instantly right there, right on the spot, he changes. He goes from maverick to mature. Still a maverick. He's still a church planner, evangelist, pastor. He's still a leader in the, in the first century church. But if you read his letters, and we go to First Peter, it's not up there, so you just have to listen. First Peter 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think it would be safe to say there's people in this building today that have gone through trials that they never dreamt they would ever have to go through, young or old, family or professional, career or personal. You've gone through trials. I'm asking you to stand with me today, everybody here. And I want you just to, just to think where you're at. Maybe it is a doctor's report. Maybe it is the worst news you could have ever dreamt of. Maybe it is a, a career decision. Maybe it's something that you just, you're thinking in yourself, I, I've never dreamt this. Peter is saying because he was and is a maverick, but now he's mature. He's saying, listen, those trials not only were allowed by God, but guarded by God. And you're guarded for your testimony for unto the day of salvation. And nobody ever wants to go through a test. Some people don't even like the testimony of the test. But the victory's at hand. And the victory's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we understand that the victory's in Christ Jesus, even though we've been warned, even though we were warming with the wrong people, and sometimes Jesus is waving and we just don't see it. Those words, when you return. So if you're comfortable, I'm just asking you to raise your hands for a moment. And as you're asking, raising your hands, ask the Lord. Lord, I'm in the middle of this trial that I don't understand. Would you help me get through it? Would you help me to sit with the right people? Would you help me to... to, to 
understand, Lord, that this is not, this is not for my breaking. It's not even for my making. This, Lord, this trial is to give you glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving. Would you surround, Lord, would you surround our people with your loving kindness and mercy, with your grace and understanding, with your truth. And as we sing the song, Waymaker, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you, if you need to find a place to pray, go ahead and find a place to pray. If you just want to throw your hands up, if you just want to contemplate God's goodness, because he knows the trials we go through. He's on the other side. He's waiting and he's asking. I'm here for you, church. I love you. I thank you. God, we love and bless you and praise you. Help us, Father, to see you waving in our midst. Jesus.
There's nothing our God can't do, amen? He is a miracle-working God. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And he never stops working. And I think that's a word for somebody today. That even when it doesn't seem like it, he's still working in your situation. Even when it seems like things might be getting worse, God is still at work, and he is a promise-keeping God. He keeps his word. All of God's promises are yes and amen. Amen? Do you believe that today? Can you just shout to God and say, Lord, I need you. I come to you. I'm running to you, Lord. Was that a powerful message today? Do you appreciate that? Thank you, Pastor, for uh, bringing that message today. You know, we have a church full of mavericks. Yeah, I think Peter would have been the one to just run the red light because, you know, he just didn't care. The guy didn't hesitate to cut off somebody's ear just because they were threatening Jesus. After three years of being with the Prince of Peace, Peter pulls his sword out and cuts the ear off. He's kind of like, what are... Anyway, Peter was an unschooled, ordinary man, just like the rest of most of the other disciples. And yet, Jesus saw something in him to where later on, look down the road, he becomes a rock, a pillar of the church. Literally, the world's largest church is named after St. Peter. And it's in Rome. It's called St. Peter's Basilica, and it's massive. All right, he, he made such an influence. He's literally one of the reasons why you are here today because he impacted the early church at that much. And it wasn't because he was born into royalty and he had this great education and he had so much money and had every opportunity in the world. He was supposed to be born, he was supposed to be a fisherman and he was supposed to die a fisherman. His children were supposed to be fishermen and that was supposed to be his whole lot in life. But he met Jesus. Jesus saw something in him that said, and it wasn't wealth and it wasn't influence. He said, I see your heart, which is just to say, you can have everything. I know it's not much, but it's everything. And I think there are some here today that would be like Peter and say, you know what? I don't have much compared to other people. I don't have a lot of influence. I don't have a lot of wealth. I don't have a lot of education. I don't have a lot to offer you, God. But if you can use Peter, then you can use me. Is that you today? To say, God, yes, you can just take all of that I have. It's not much. You know, I have breath in my lungs and I, I have strength in my bones, but you can take all of that I have. And so let's just present ourselves to the Lord. I'm going to close in prayer. But then before I do, I want, I want to invite anybody. I'm, I'm going to close in prayer, but then you'll be dismissed. But if you have a prayer request here today, you say, you know, I came with a specific need. And I know that there are some here today that have specific needs. We just want to agree with you in prayer. So, so don't rush out. Come forward after I close in prayer. And we'll, we'll meet you here at the altars. We just want to agree with you, whether it's a healing or a situation with your family, whatever it is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in your name. Lord, we are gathered in the midst of the family of Christ. The body of Christ is gathered here together. Lord, and I pray that you would bless each person. Lord, as we, like Peter, we say, God, here we are. Uh, we just want to be used by you. Take our breath. Take our energy. Take our intelligence. Take our, our money. Take our, our life. Whatever we have, God, it, it might not be much compared to others, but we're giving it to you, Lord. If you can use Peter, the maverick, the, the rebel, like you, you can use me, God. So I'm just saying, here we are. Lord, now send us out into this place to be used by you. God, and as we sing this song about a miracle working God, I just lift up those that need a miracle in this place. And we just claim it as our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And we say that it is finished. That in Jesus' name, every, every bondage is broken. Every chain is loose. Father God, healings are here in Jesus' name. We ask that you do miracles in this place. God, I pray that you'd lift this up, that we'd walk out of here encouraged and strengthened to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
God bless you. We love you. Get your Mother's Day tickets. If you need special prayer, please come forward now and we'll have it greatly. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.